Sports with Friends will begin in a moment, but first a message from the legal guys. Have you been in an accident? Call 1-800-THE-LAW-2. I was driving on a two-lane road, and someone sideswiped me, came into my lane, and smashed right into the passenger side door. Fortunately, and why I didn't say this sooner is because no one was in the car with me. If my young child or my spouse had been in the car, my life would have been changed forever. But I was driving in the left lane. I was not at fault. That's when you call the legal guys. If you were injured in an accident, if you're not at fault, these are the guys that helped me and they can help you too. Call 1-800-THE-LAW-2. That's 1-800-843-5292. If the accident has taken place within the last two years, they can help. Trust me, folks, when you're dealing with a car accident, especially when you're not at fault, there are a lot of complicated things involved with a car accident. These guys can make it easier. The legal guys. Call them. 1-800-THE-LAW-2. Now stay tuned for Sports with Friends. Welcome to another edition of Sports with Friends. You guys are all my friends. Everybody who listens to this podcast is a friend. I want to say that it's Thanksgiving week in the United States, and we are thankful for every person that is listening to this now. Without this, this would not be something that I could continue for 327 episodes. Sports with Friends is a passion project that began as a hobby and is now just part of my workflow. And it's something that I love, love, love. We decided because it's uh, Thanksgiving week that we are going to try to do something a little inspiring. It's a sports podcast, but it's never it, it's not something that I've ever dove into. Um, first of all, I'm not a, a reality television expert by any stretch, but I'm very interested in this guy's story. Ethan Zahn won Survivor. He was on Survivor, but he's a former professional ho- soccer player, and he created this amazing charity called Grassroots Soccer. We're going to talk to Ethan about all of that, but there's a caveat to the whole thing. Not only is he a winner on Survivor, he's a true survivor. He survived cancer. In just a minute, I'm going to introduce you to Ethan Zahn, it is also Thanksgiving week for BovadaSportsbook.com, and we'll be talking to Patrick in just a little moment about all the Thanksgiving games and all the great rivalries in college football. Patrick, give us a preview. Absolutely, Seth. Whether you're betting or going for seconds, pace yourself, folks. We're talking turkey and maybe a little bit of football. Before we speak to Ethan Zahn, I, th- I was moved by this video that appears on Ethan Zahn's website, ethanzahn.com. This is his story from soccer to survivor to cancer, grassroots soccer, all of it. To properly introduce Ethan Zahn, here's his story. Now, I've been incredibly fortunate to have experienced a lot of cool things in my life. You know, I've traveled, I played soccer in front of big crowds. I've been on TV. The winner of Survivor Africa. I'm not an expert on human nature. 
but I did gain some insight into the way people work and the tools people use when placed in an unfamiliar environment. Distractions were taken away from me. I was left with nothing more than the bare essentials of who I am. And once I became aware that I can use this celebrity in this moment in my life as a platform to just provide this little mini revolution of consciousness, and this is how we can all begin to change the world. Living with barely enough food and water was torture. But the real challenge came when I suddenly had to figure out what do you do when you win a million bucks? I took my money, invested it in something much bigger than myself. Co-founded a charity called Grassroots Soccer, and we use the power of soccer in the fight against HIV and AIDS. Soccer happens to be one of the greatest networks on this planet. So you can imagine the impact when you take a professional player, these heroes, these role models, these gods of the community, and put them in front of these children. Their eyes pop open, their jaws drop, and we end up changing their behavior so they can go out there and make the right choices in life. Through education and sport, we can prevent disease. Simple concept, we're doing it. Fantastic. How many countries are you working in? Grassroots Soccer is running programs in 50 countries, and we've graduated over 1.9 million kids from the program. I was 35 years old, on top of the world, feeling happy, healthy, until a swollen lymph node popped out of my neck, and they found a mass in my chest. I was diagnosed with CD20-positive Hodgkin's lymphoma. My whole body had turned against me. My hair was falling out, I felt miserable, I had no energy. And let me tell you, it hasn't been so easy. Ethan was recently diagnosed with a rare type of Hodgkin's lymphoma. He's blogging about it, posting video diaries, and serving as an ambassador to anyone battling cancer. You are now entering the chemo zone. Get ready for battle. Survivor is no longer just a show for him. Winning this battle is his new reality. But obviously, you're not playing a game. For a million bucks, you're playing a game for your life. I realize that the details of my life may have the ability to educate and help other people out there. I craved survival. So just as I turned winning Survivor into an opportunity to help those in Africa, I decided to use my personal cancer crisis into an opportunity to help those right here at home and become a voice, a megaphone for the young adult cancer generation. I ran marathons, cyclothons. I did everything in my power to try to share my story. Doing what I'm doing, going public, it's just, you know, sending a message of hope to everyone out there because you gotta take that crisis, you gotta take that moment, that negativity, and turn it into something positive. You can get through cancer with a smile on your face. And I'm not gonna let some silly little cancer diagnosis take me out of the marathon. Cancer's got nothing on me. I'm just excited to run past the hospital, not have to go in for a checkup. Every step I take, I am outrunning cancer. Throughout my entire experience, I have learned that to make happiness real for others is truly the greatest gift. If you want to know the definition of fulfillment, I say follow your heart, fight for a cause, see the hope that is born in someone else's eyes because of something that you were able to do for them. To me, that's inspiring. It's those actions and that raw generosity and that willingness to help others that makes my journey, my battle, that much easier. This is my song. This is my experience. We all draw strength from knowing that we're not fighting these battles alone. There's old or young, man or woman. You know, we all share one thing in common. We're all survivors on this earth for a very short time. And it's not about how or when we leave this world. 
It's what we do to make the most of each day in each crisis while we're here. And if that uh, four minutes of audio doesn't inspire you, we have the guy right here. Ethan Zahn is with us. Um, we just heard this, this harrowing tale of success, but also uh, tribulation. There's so much to unpack here. Uh, Ethan, you are the first reality star to come on Sports with Friends. Welcome. <laughs> I am honored to have that title. Oh, my God. I always God. thought one of the Kardashians would come on first. I'm right. shocked that it's you. <laughs> well, yeah, everyone's a reality star in their own life. So just uh, remember that. Well, you know, first of all, I, I, I have to ask, how's your health now? Like, first, let, let, let's just get that out of the way. Are you healthy? Are you how often do you have to get checked? You know, the thing with cancer is, you you know, there's always the chance of, of bad things happening and recurrence and all that. What's your health status? My health status is I have been in remission for close to 10 years. God so dang. I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling healthy, feeling balanced. And uh, yeah, I'm calling in from the middle of the woods in New Hampshire. So I'm connecting with nature a little bit more, which is a huge help uh, to get my uh, sense of normalcy back after what I went through. Was that, was that a COVID thing? Did you always live in New Hampshire? Did you just no, run I, like the wind, like right. so many New Yorkers did? Uh, well, to be honest, I grew up in uh, Massachusetts, yeah, but I, I moved to New York City, lived there for about 20 years. And then in 2015, we moved here. Everyone questioned our choices. Like, why the hell? New York City, go, New Hampshire? What are you, nuts? <laughs> and then like, obviously, last two years ago, everyone's like, uh, can I come camp on your yard? Do you have space for us up here? <laughs> Can I sleep on your driveway, please? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I, I totally uh, get it. Um, you know, in this story, so you're, you're a soccer player. You know, you start out as a soccer player. This is your thing. And then you hear about Survivor. Mm -hmm. Judd Winnick was just on this other podcast that I do uh, called the Hall of Justice. And I asked him the very same question and his answer fascinated me. And I'm sure yours will too. Reality television isn't what it was now like people who hear the words reality television will think real housewives and stuff like right. that like there was some competition to it there was some gravitas to, to it it was the hot new thing what attracted you to it and why did you say you know what this is something i could pull off well you know um i was Coming to the end of my soccer career, you know, it was spiraling out of control. I got cut from a few teams here in the U.S. I got an advertising job in New York City. They fired me before I came in for the first day. I was coaching at Fairleigh Dickinson University around the corner from where you are. And I was just kind of like unfocused. I was uh -huh. borderline unemployed. I told my mom I was in between life choices. You're never unemployed. You're always in between life choices right. for anyone listening. Um, and so I was literally bored, nothing to do in New York City. And we're like, me and my roommate's like, hey, what do you want to do today? And I'm like, well, let's make a video for Survivor. There had been two seasons prior to mine, the first yeah. one in Australia. And then the third season I was trying out for. And so we just ran around New York City. There may or may not have been some alcohol involved. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, we ended up editing it all night on two VH two VCRs and VHS tapes. Uh -huh. And then we were supposed to send in when my you say video. We, when you see we, we, is this like friends of yours were helping you? Yes. Or? Yeah. I had two of my buddies and we literally uh -huh. got loaded and made a video for survivor but the thing That's is hysterical. i was supposed to make a video for them and they were supposed to make a video for me but we ran out of time for them and we only sent in my video <laughs> and i got on this show and so it was this so then when you they won did they start hating you <laughs> no they they loved it man 27 years old million bucks living in new york city like my friends just wanted to go out and hang out it's like like you said 
reality TV was just starting. This is in 2001, right before 9-11. 30 million people watched the finale of Survivor Africa. Right? Crazy. Now, think about that. So reality TV doesn't necessarily have the same weight it did back then. It's not better or worse. It's just different. Back with more of Sports with Friends with Ethan Zahn. But first... It's Thanksgiving week. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. There is so much football going on. There's also a ton of college basketball. You can find that on the Bavada website. But for the football stuff, let's just go through Thanksgiving. and Welcome in the head odds maker at Bavada, Patrick Morrow. One thing I, I don't understand, I guess because you have so many games and so many television deals, I guess you're trying to counter-program, but... You know, the NFL dominates Thanksgiving Day, right? Just like the NBA dominates Christmas Day, right? We'll talk about that in a month. Mm-hmm. Why is Ole Miss and Mississippi State playing Thursday night up against Bill's Saints? That just sounds really defeatist, don't you think? Yeah, it's an interesting slot for that uh, Egg Bowl game, uh, Seth. And, you know, we've noticed that the NCAA tries to slot in at least one game on Thanksgiving to, I I guess, try and have a presence for that fan out there that's maybe a college football fan more than they are an NFL fan. Uh, It's going to be a tight one. So, uh, you know, Ole Miss, great season. They're coming to this game uh, ranked number 12 in the nation. And uh, they are currently one-point underdogs at Bavada against Mississippi State. Mississippi State comes in there as a slight favorite over Lane Kiffin and the Ole Miss Rebels. And the over-under in this one set sitting 61 and a half. Um, no surprise that given uh, the higher ranking, and we do see a lot of recreational players, uh, let that ranking be their guide. More action so far on the Ole Miss Rebels, about 65% of all bets so far on Ole Miss in this one. All right, now let's not ignore the uh, big elephant in the room. People talk about, uh, you know, apple cups and iron bowls and all these other bowls. The biggest game this week, and it always is this week, it's Ohio State versus Michigan. Uh, Absolutely. Like, this is the game each year. This is, you know, depending on who you ask, this is either one of or the greatest college football rivalry. I'm not going to weigh in on that. I just know it's going to be a heck of a game and one that – Michigan's already got a loss. They lose this game. They're not going to the college football playoffs. So there's more than just bragging rights at stake here. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, for anyone interested in this game, uh, Michigan gives them, you know, a much better game than let's say what lesser Michigan did last week when Michigan State got absolutely stomped. Uh, Getting back to this one, Ohio State, eight and a half uh, road favorites in this one. Uh, The over-under is sitting at 63 and a half right now, Pavada. And the betters love the Buckeyes. We're seeing about 85% of all bets in Ohio State so far in this one. Already the most bet on game of the week. I like uh, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Bedlam. How do you not like Bedlam? Uh, 7.30, uh, Oklahoma State uh, kind of flew under the radar this season. Uh, you know, Listen, the Big 12 was supposed to be about uh, the Sooners this year. It was supposed to be you know, Oklahoma and Texas. The story was that they were the top two teams come, uh, in the conference in all the previews this year, and they were on their way out. So a great opportunity for Oklahoma State in this one to get a win over their in-state rivals, send them packing with a big L, and uh, when you know, Oklahoma State, four-point favorites at home in this one at Bavada. Over-under sitting a little bit lower than a lot of the games this week at 50. Uh, a lot of respect for that Oklahoma State defense and what they've been able to do this year. Betting a little bit uh, 50-50 on this one. The money line being favored a little bit more on the Sooners. 
but Oklahoma State has four-point favorites. They're getting more bets on that side. So could go either way. Uh, I'm sure the action will be moving all over the place before the Saturday kickoff, but uh, really looking forward to that one. You know, Oklahoma State, probably even with the win, isn't touching the college football playoff. Too many other things would have to break their way. But uh, again, sending Oklahoma out of the Big 12 with a loss like this looks pretty good. So I'm sure they'll be fired up for it. All right. As far as the NFL, look, there's going to be a busy Sunday, but there are three games on Thanksgiving and just kind of focus on those. And, you know, obviously the Sunday games can go to the Bovada website uh, to do that. We'll start. And this is, you know, tradition or unfortunate. The 0-9-1 Detroit Lions hosting the Chicago Bears. But the Lions, oh yeah, they they got that one tie against the Steelers. So that was that was a horrible game to watch. And you know what? The Bears have been all right this year. Their defense is good, but they don't play sexy football. Uh, traditionally, I got to say, Seth, the, this 12:30 game, uh, this is when I'm in the kitchen, kind of with an eye on the TV. This is where I'm working on the sides. I'm checking on the turkey. Uh, I'm not sitting down to watch Detroit, Chicago, which is great because you place your bets ahead of time and you don't really have to worry about what's actually <laughs> happening, especially if I have a bet on the Lions, Seth. I don't want to have to actually watch that bet from start to finish. But uh, for those of you that are gluttons for punishment, uh, you could definitely get in on the Detroit Lions. They are three and a half point home dogs to the Chicago Bears in this one. No surprise that one of the lower over-unders of the week is in this game at 41 and a half. And... I suppose what is a surprise is that we have more bets on the Lions over the Bears at Bovada right now. I actually could not believe that when I started this sentence, but checking the updated liability report, Lions money line, Lions point spread, uh, about 70% of all bets. So uh, I, I guess that speaks to what I was saying a moment ago, that the Chicago Bears, they're not bad, but they're certainly not sexy. So All right, the, the Cowboys, uh, a touchdown favorite over the Las Vegas Raiders. They've been hit or miss. They started out with a lot of promise. They've kind of fallen by the wayside, the, the Derek Carr and company. Uh, the Cowboys are in this position where, you know, ultimately, yes, you know, that Denver loss a couple of weeks ago still resonates, but uh, the Cowboys have a legitimate chance at the NFC East, a playoff berth, and a Super Bowl run. Not a Super Bowl, a Super Bowl run. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, Seth. And I mean, uh, despite recent struggles, uh, I would say you've got to like this Dallas Cowboys team probably more than you would of any of them in the last five, ten years. Uh, they look really good on defense. Uh, they did run into some COVID issues in that Chiefs game, which uh, really messed them up. Uh, CeeDee Lamb was out. I think Amari uh, Cooper was also out. And, uh, you know, you could see the offense really struggled to get some consistency going in that one. Uh, you know, looking going back a couple of weeks, actually, you mentioned the Broncos game, Seth, and I am a little bit worried that Dak is not 100% out there. I mean, you know, listen, he might not even be 90% out there. He is great when he's on, but I am a little bit concerned with, you know, he doesn't seem as comfortable in the pocket, as comfortable in some of his decision making. And if I'm a better, that's something that's maybe making me a little bit more wary going into this one. But hey, listen, nothing cures the woes like uh, the Raiders. The Raiders have been in free fall since the Gruden firing, since uh, the arrest, since uh, an awkward Instagram uh, video that uh, resulted in a player being uh, released. Uh, the Raiders are just bad. There's no two ways about it. And this is a great palate cleanser opportunity for the Dallas Cowboys to come into this one. They are seven point favorites at home at Bavada. And uh, no surprise at all that they are getting the majority of the action here. Uh, there's really no appetite for the Las Vegas Raiders. Lots of appetite for Turkey this Thursday, but not to bet on the Raiders. Over under on this one sitting 50 and a half right now. 
And then this Thursday night game, this is, by the way, it's not a regular Thursday night game, so it's not with Amazon and it's not on my Twitch channel. You know, Buffalo uh, has fallen on hard times after the loss to Indianapolis. That was a really bad home loss. I have friends who drove a long way to watch that game. That was pretty bad, and I've heard about it. Uh, the Saints are also inconsistent. Makes for an interesting football game. Absolutely. Uh, you know, looking at this one, Seth, um, and, and very quick, uh, the Bills are four and a half point uh, road favorites of Pavada. But uh, once again, Bills are four and a half point favorites in this one, Seth. They are taking about 70% of the money. So our betters are looking at a bounce back game here. I mean, if you're looking for an opportunity to buy low on the Bills, that can't be much lower than this. And like I said, if we were lining this game two or three weeks ago, they would be a full touchdown favorite. That is merely an observation, not an endorsement or a suggestion. We don't give out picks. But those are the facts. Over-under sitting 46 and a half, the most bet on under of the week, curiously enough. And then there's a full slate of games on Sunday. So it's just a wild week. Thanksgiving week is all about football. And we look forward to hearing from Patrick each and every week here on Sports with Friends. Now back to our conversation with the survivor who survived. And amazing conversation with Ethan Zahn. You know, you win Survivor and you decide, you know, how do I give back? Mm. Um, just tell me about the genesis of grassroots soccer. What was your goal and mm. how close to your original goal is what exists now? It's 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 massively successful. Thank you. Appreciate that. Well, before Survivor, the TV show, I lived and played professional soccer in Zimbabwe. And while I was there, I witnessed firsthand what was happening with HIV and AIDS and how it was just like destroying this community that I was now a part of playing soccer. And a couple of my friends got sick with HIV, kicked off the team, lived a horrible, lonely end of their life. Yeah. And so at that time in my life, like what can one person do to help this massive problem in all of Africa? So I didn't do anything. I said, it's not my problem. Came back to the United States, obviously continued playing here and then got chosen on Survivor. And actually while I was on the show Survivor, I won a reward challenge where I won two goats, which I wasn't so happy about, but I got to take these goats to this little village of Wamba where I ended up playing soccer with all these kids in the parking lot of a hospital. I later found out all these kids were HIV positive. So here I was wow. in the middle of this game, this like silly yeah, little yeah. cutthroat reality TV show game and I had that real life experience. So when I got home from the show and I had 15 minutes of fame, which was up 10 years ago. Thank you for having me on, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I met up with some soccer buddies of mine, Dr. Tommy Clark, and we created this, this charity, Grassroots Soccer. I can't wait to see the feedback we get from this podcast. You're <laughs> kidding yourself. There's a lot of people. When I told people I was having you on, they were like, oh my God, him? I know him. And I was like, <laughs> or I no, think you know I know what him. it is? You know what it is? Like, I go to where do school? I know that guy from? Exactly. That's what it is. It's like, oh my God, he looks, did I go to high school with him? Did I play soccer with him? Is he in my, does he go to temple with me? I don't know. What is this? I did that once. I fell into a trap once. I was covering the New Jersey Nets were playing the Los Angeles Lakers in the NBA finals in 2002 at nice. the old Meadowlands arena. Yep. And I was covering it for Fox and I'm waiting to go into the locker rooms after a game. And this guy is standing there and I'm like, he looks so goddamn familiar. And I'm in New Jersey and I had just moved back from Seattle. So like being in New Jersey, it was people that I went to high school with or people that I grew up with. Like that was the, the way it goes. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Okay. You broke up for a second. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. And I saw this guy and we were just standing there. So we made, you know, pleasantries. And I said, did you go to Marlboro high school? No, no. 
did you go to Syracuse? No, no. What, what, what temple? Like, I, like, I'm trying to think where I can know this guy. It was Andrew Shue from Melrose Place. Yes, it's great. And I love like, that guy. Oh, well, I felt like such a doofus. I was like, <laughs> oh my God. And I'm like, I had it. I had it. I, I, you know. Do you want me to what, connect the dots even more with Andrew Shue for you? Tell me. Tell, oh, can you do this? I can, oh, can I do this? Oh, so, this is fun. Andrew Shue playing at Dartmouth College, coached yes. by Bobby Clark. Bobby Clark moved to Zimbabwe to coach the Highlanders football club, brought Andrew Shue over there. No way. <laughs> I went over to Zimbabwe, played for the same team that Andrew Shue played in Zimbabwe because of this connection to Bobby Clark. Bobby Clark's son, Tommy Clark, is the founder of Grassroots Soccer, good friends with Andrew Shue. And so Andrew Shue is on our board of directors for the Holy first five, seven crap. years of Grassroots Soccer. There you go. This is why you don't prep podcasts. There's no way I could have <laughs> Mind seen blown, this right? So if you want to meet Andrew Shue, you can come to the gala on Tuesday, uh, November 30th. He will be there along with well, Sir Alex Ferguson and Seth Myers and Jeff be, Marcus Samuelson. He'll be that 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 doofus from the Meadowlands. <laughs> He's like, do I, did you interview do me I in the Meadowlands you? in 2002? Do I know you? <laughs> Um, and if you're listening to this in the future, if you're listening to this week, there is an event on November 30th. If you're listening to this in the future, do us a favor. Tell us how the flying car is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And also uh, tell us how we get out of COVID. Let, let, just let me know how we obliterate that and we can uh, ha handle all that. Um, so so the, the charity starts. Yep. And it's having success. Yep. And you decide, I want to do Survivor again. Again. I mean, Survivor Again, kind of decided for me, for me right? here. <laughs> all, um, this is all before cancer. Like you, you, so you had the money, you, you take the money, you use it for good. You don't just, you know, smoke it away. And you, you just decide that I want to do this again. Like I could totally get the first one. I really do. I, as much as I could <laughs> never do it, I get the first one. Explain the second and the third one. Yeah. Well, you know, when you, one a show like survivor and they call you to come do an all-star version you kind of got to say yes to that okay. you know they own, so they that's own, how it works that's how it works this was see i did season three which is africa season eight was the first all-stars and they invited four previous winners back so we all went back and tried to play again see how we do you know going into it i knew i was an underdog just because no one wanted a winner to win again so their whole strategy is let's get the winners off first so it was a it was a struggle to play that that second season of survivor but obviously it was a lot of fun the show is still a phenomenon and uh, it, you know, you couldn't miss out on an opportunity like that. Plus because I had started grassroots soccer, I negotiated a little deal where I said, if I go on this show where I know I'm probably going to lose because there's 19 winners, there's 19 losers and one winner. If you let me wear my grassroots soccer shirt, I will come on the show. And so I did. And here's the shirt right here. I'm literally, this is literally the shirt I wore on survivor for all you guys listening. You oh, can't see so it. I can't see it. It's right. a podcast, but yes, yeah. that's awesome. So that's it right here. So that's kind of how grassroots software got a little bit of a, you know, we're a talking about cause related bump. marketing, you know, celebrity ambassadors. You, you said 30 million people saw the first one. You, you have any idea how many people you expose grassroots soccer for? I Do mean, I, the C survivor all-stars where it's wearing that shirt premiered after the super bowl in 2004. Yes. So, and that's that, the, uh, the Janet Jackson, Justin Timberlake super bowl. It is right. So I think we got even got around 34 million people watching the first yeah. episode of all-stars. There's a new documentary out, uh, about the Justin Timberlake, just Janet Jackson, you know, the, the, the wardrobe oh, malfunction. And 
Justin Timberlake's a dick and Janet Jackson was wronged and you watch this thing and just I'll let audience make up your own mind. We're not doing an episode on Janet Jackson, but my <laughs> God, <laughs> you watch this thing, your jaw will literally hit the ground. Really? I need to check that out for sure. It's on uh, Hulu. It's, it's, it's one of the one of the latest Hulu things. Um, you had a passion for soccer growing up. Every kid I knew growing up uh, played soccer at some point, it, to some, some degree. Uh, I have recently done a bunch of episodes of this podcast about um, an interest in the Premier League. I, mm. The Premier League has really, really... Um, I liked what they did. I thought the way they, you know, they combated racism was really impressive. You know, they, they kneel right before they start and five seconds and they get a standing ovation and everybody cheers and nobody bitches and the NFL couldn't do that. You know, and, and I just, I, I, you know, I like in the premier league, they make, uh, when you buy your ticket, you have to say what your allegiance is. Right. And if you're like the road team, you have to go in one section. Yeah. That's genius. I want the yeah. devils to do that to the New York Ranger fans. <laughs> like, I think like there's some things about the premier right. league that I'm fascinated by. Right. But yet major league soccer is, is a niche sport. It's, it's not competing on, on the, it's, it's still a niche sport. There's, there are factions that have, there are fan bases that support it. You know, Seattle is a perfect example. What is your stance on soccer and how it compares to other American based sports like basketball, like football, you know, American football, because NBC just paid billions of dollars Mm -hmm. to re-up the Premier League rights for $4.99. You can get access to every Premier League game on Peacock. And all I can say to that is it's brilliant. It's Mm -hmm. it's absolutely brilliant, but I'm not attracted to Major League Soccer. Mm. And I like the game. I've, I've, I've probably seen three or four Premier League games a week now. Right. Like I'm getting there and streaming is allowing that to happen. Where is soccer in America? It's a really open-ended question. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) I mean, you know, I personally believe that, you know, any investment in soccer, whether it's globally or domestically is a good thing. It can only help the sport itself. More people are getting exposed to a higher level, higher quality, more kind of money, excitement game in the English Premier League, which can only filter up to what we're happening here in the domestic league, which is Major League Soccer. Let's keep in mind that, you know, soccer in the US hasn't necessarily been around in the professional level for that long. You had something going on in the 70s. It didn't really work out that well with NASL. Pele, exactly. Shep Messing, Pele, York, you know, Cosmos. Cosmos. Exactly. And then it took a break. And then back, then we're looking at 1994 to 96 is when the MLS started again. So the league has been around for almost 20 years, right? Um, 25, like 25 years. years. And it hasn't folded. There's new teams coming on each year. Soccer-specific stadiums getting built for every team. There's youth development teams. There's A team, B teams. There's now superstars coming from other countries, not at the end of their career, to continue playing uh-huh, in the United uh-huh. States. There's corporate sponsorships. There's TV rights. So my perspective is that MLS is thriving. It's doing incredibly well here in the United States. We're developing players that are going to play overseas, which increases the the level of our national team now. Our entire national team is pretty much made out of um, 
you know, international players and that were developed here in the United States that got shipped off to other countries. So in my perspective, it's incredible. Not only that, we have three minor leagues here as well um, that are doing really well. Um, so not really well, but they're doing well. We got one semi-professional, professional minor league. So I think it's thriving league. I think the sport's growing in both men and women. It's, I think it's incredible. You know, the, the interest in it, in it uh, you know, I've been to the, uh, the Red Bulls stadium. Yep. Um, I've talked about in the past, we recently did an episode uh, with someone from Seattle. Uh, uh, Ian Furness was on uh, from Seattle. And we were talking about how the Sounders came right when the Sonics had left mm. and the city was hamstrung. Like they were stung by, by that departure. And I think subconsciously the city of Seattle just wants to prove to everybody they're doing it now with the Kraken, they just want everybody to think that they are a great sports town when <laughs> they are a great sports town. But when you lose a team, you lo- you get a chip on your shoulder. And I think that's, that's where that comes from. Um, I'm not here to put down MLS by right, any right. stretch of the imagination. What I'm suggesting is there is, you know, I, I, I make the analogy to Japan and what's happened in Japan is streaming has allowed Major League Baseball to expose itself greatly to uh, Japan. And it's such that the goal of a Japanese baseball player is to get to America. Mm. The goal of a, of, a, of, a, of a kid in America is to get to the Premier League or Serie A or, or the Spanish League. You, you, you see what I'm saying? I totally that, do. So, so it's, it's not... I'm not here to put down MLS and the growth is well-documented, but I just wonder if soccer as a sport is better off. Like it seems like every country has their own league and they just get ranked. So if you're going to have that, you're not in the top five. It's like, it's like Syracuse will never win the ACC because (laughs) you've got North Carolina and goddamn Duke in there. There's (laughs) no point in it. You know what I mean? And it's that kind of thing. Like you're never going to be the top banana. Right. So it, it, it just, it's different. And it's a, it's an interesting aspect. Yeah. It's an interesting thing to think about. Uh, if you look at the English premier league, that is the super league. That's, that is where everyone wants to end up. And I think that's going to happen in any sport anywhere in the world. You're going to go to the place where there's the best players, the highest money, the most exposure. And that just happens to be the English Premier League. So it's natural that a kid wants to grow up to go to play in the EPL, but there's hundreds of leagues around the world. Like I played in Zimbabwe, right? We had 50,000 people in the game. Right, but but when you're playing, take me through through that. Like you're playing and you're you're like, I don't suck at this game. I'm I'm pretty good. Like what options did you have? Well, MLS doesn't exist at that point, correct? Correct. I mean, I was in a, a, it was an interesting time in soccer and I wasn't good enough to be honest. I wasn't good enough to play in MLS, which had just started. I wasn't good enough to get a starting spot in the A-League, which was one below the MLS. So for me, playing internationally was a great option. It wasn't necessarily about the money. I mean, I think we made like $25 if we won, 15 if we uh, tied and $3 if we lost. But it was about the experience. You made less if you lost? Yes. So some guy scores a goal in the like the the 89th minute and you lost cash? Yes, exactly. Holy moly. But the funny part was like, you know, in Zimbabwe, 
that that's a decent salary. That was a decent salary for a yeah. soccer player at the time. So we win three, four, five games in a row. These guys are coming to practice in like full length leather suits, top hats, <laughs> you know, like we're on the equator. You don't need anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was, uh, it was pretty funny to see how, you know, these young players manage their money, even, you know, uh, in Zimbabwe. Yeah, no, it, it, it's fascinating. And like, like I said, you know, I think that what streaming has done is allows you to expose yourself for relatively low cost. Like I don't tell other people how to spend their money, but for relatively low cost, if you have any interest in any one of these leagues, it's perfect. The other, the other yeah. thing about, and you can gamble on it. That's a whole nother yeah, thing. That's true. That's true. Especially in New Jersey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, the other aspect of it that I think is amazing is relegation. Yeah, that's a neat. What a genius idea. And if you think about the National Football League and the crappy teams, like, you know, put the Jaguars and the Detroit (laughs) Lions and have them play and they're playing to stay in the NFL. Right. That'd be absolutely amazing. Yeah. Amazing. We do not have that type of system here in the United States for soccer. There's a, there's definitely a core group of people that want the promotion relegation system that happens pretty much everywhere in the world in soccer, but it doesn't have here in the U S what have uh, any of these leagues, whether it's MLS or any, any other, um, what have they done to help spread the word for grassroots soccer? Oh, we've had incredible partnerships with grassroots soccer. You know, like I said, I just, we just started grassroots soccer in 2003. It was just in Zimbabwe. And we are an adolescent health organization that's using the power of soccer to help kids make smarter choices in life. You've graduated what, like over oh, close 13, to 13, we're in 60 countries now. We've graduated 13 million kids 13, from the program. Yeah, yeah. Crazy numbers. Pretty crazy, right? And uh, the way we do that is we train professional soccer players, coaches, and peer leaders in the local community with this curriculum that we developed. And then we send them to the classrooms or the soccer fields or the churches or the temples to push these health interventions. Because like you said, soccer is the world's most popular sport. Every little boy and girl wants to grow up to be a pro, pro player. So you can imagine the impact when we use these players, these heroes, these role models, these mentors, and send them to the, these classrooms, the kids, I mean, pff, their eyes pop open their jaws drop and we end up changing their behavior so they can lead these healthy lifestyles Uh, it's it's fascinating um once you had reached certain levels of notoriety um when did becoming a speaker and a inspirational um lecturer uh, (laughs) when did that come into your world was that just when you got sick and it was it while you were sick that you started thinking about, like, how do I use my powers for good? Like, if, if I get out of this thing, this is what I, I, I got to do some good now. Right. Uh, my speaking career came a little, I had no intention ever to do anything like that. It came a little bit prior to. You'd always wanted to be on podcasts, though. Def- definitely. If yeah. podcasts were around in the 2000s, I wouldn't even gone on reality TV. I've gone straight <laughs> to podcasts. Can I make that a promo for the podcast? you know i mean the first time i was on survivor there was no social media i mean that's how long ago this was right right. um and uh yeah i forget what the question was well no you're i mean you're sick and oh right right speaking speaking and, and you you know when do you how do you conceptualize like i always think whenever somebody writes a book i always say when did you have the idea? Did you just were you wake up one morning and you had the idea to write a book? Right. Like, wh- when did you have the idea? Like, you know, if I if I get out, of, you had this great resolve, right? From what I saw in, in reading about you, you had this great resolve. I am not letting this get me. 
Mm. And I think a lot of cancer has to do with that, you know, yeah. just the will to keep fighting. And it's not to put down people who succumb to it. Sometimes you can't fight it, but people who do, it's always so admirable. You know, I know other cancer survivors and I've seen them and I just, I'm fascinated with the intestinal fortitude that you have to have. But at what point, you know, you're, you're lying there. I mean, a lot of, a lot of it is, is you're getting chemo and, and you're sick. When do you decide, you know, I can, I can, I can really help change people. For me, getting diagnosed with cancer as a young adult, 35 years old, it's a whole host of kind of issues, concerns, dilemmas that you face that a pediatric patient or an older adult patient doesn't face, right? So pediatrics, you got your parents to take care of you, you got health insurance, blah. Older adult, maybe you're married, you got a, you know, you got a wife, your whole life is set. But when you're a young adult and you survived cancer, your whole life's in front of you, dating, fertility, life insurance, a job, getting married, like all this stuff that, you know, is, is difficult to manage. So for me, I appreciate you saying that it, you know, takes a strong person to get through cancer and it does, but like when a doctor tells you to do something, you'll die, you pretty much do it, right? There's no choice there. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it wasn't that difficult to get through cancer because I just did what they told me to do. Having said that- tongue in cheek knock on vaccines right there? That was pretty good. <laughs> that was pretty impressive. If a doctor Thank tells you. you to do it, you just do it. Right. <clears throat> well, I mean, listen, take, Aaron, I, guess, I guess I did have a choice, but at that time, I didn't know of other ways to cure cancer. No, um, no, you know, I, there, I couldn't drink any bleach to do anything to make <laughs> me uh, cure this cancer stuff. Um, but the after effects for me, that's when it got really difficult. It's the surviving cancer and, you know, the dump trucks full of uncertainty, the invisible scars that need healing, that that's what was difficult for me um, with the whole cancer thing. So at that time, I'm like, okay, well, there's no one else. I can't find anyone else out there that's kind of like me, my age, going through what I'm going through. So why don't I just do it myself? So that's, I made the choice to go public with my cancer because I felt like the details of my life could help other people out there. Some weird symptoms. I wasn't getting the information I needed, the accurate information. So I wanted to do it myself and just control that narrative and be able to, you know, make a statement on my own, use, you know, I documented from start all the way to finish my cancer on people.com. I did articles, marathons, blogs, all this stuff, all this stuff, because focusing on the plight of another human being helps you heal as a human being. It just really does. It's that easy. So in the middle of my nightmare, if I could use this horrible cancer diagnosis and flip it around and make it into something positive, help other people out there, then it kind of gives us a little bit of like sense and purpose to why this may or may not be happening to me. And this is where, you know, people can say um, PR people and marketing people are geniuses. Like they you, yeah. you needed help to get that going. That's not just like flip on a phone and just say, here, here, world, you know, take that. And, you know, I, for one, have no marketing experience. I don't I I put the podcast together. It goes out in the world. I tweet it once. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty much out after that. What um, what about the support staff that you had for that aspect of your of your life? about the sports, what do you repeat? Just about, about all the, all the ideas on how to get the word out. Like, yeah, well, lot, fortunate enough, obviously I had been on TV before, so there's a little bit of a core group of people, but 
any way I could show up, lend my name, participate in an existing event, you know, align with a charity uh, made sense to me because I'm a firm believer in collaboration and community and partnerships at grassroots soccer. That's how we are able to get into 60 countries by partnering with other organizations. So as a cancer patient and a cancer survivor, you know, it's, you need to partner with other people to help, you know, spread the message, raise awareness, raise funds, all that stuff. And to uh, kind of tap into the already existing constructs, marathons, cyclophons, triathlons, gala events, whatever, celebrity soccer matches, that was an easy spot for me to show up and kind of share my, my message. Yeah, when I saw the video about the, the, you ran the marathon after cancer, I was like, well, now he's just showing off. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I ran the marathon the first time after cancer, the second time I ran it while, going, while undergoing chemotherapy and I guided a blind runner the whole time. Holy moly. So, I mean, not that I'm going to brag or anything. No, no. I mean, anyone can run a marathon undergoing heaven, chemo, right? Heaven, heaven forbid. Uh, wow. Um, <laughs> now I just sound like an asshole. <laughs> how do you, uh, speaking of assholes, how do yeah, you feel about you. social media? I think uh, social media, it's, I'm torn. It, it, I love it, it and I hate it. Okay. I love it because, one, I mean, I'm just going to go back to my most recent time on Survivor, which was this. 2000 season 40 which is 2019 i could it was during the pandemic so normally you go out to meet people that love the show survivor now all of a sudden they came to me so like i could talk to people in real time get instant feedback about the show so that was really fun for me in addition to that you know social media you can advertise market uh you know the important or non-important stuff that you're doing so for me it's just been a really fun tool to kind of you know give people a little insight into my life and the work that I'm doing and the stuff that I'm passionate about. How can people uh, find you online and what's your drug of choice? Is it Twitter, Instagram? What's, what's the word? If you're on a, uh, on a reality well, I'm also show, an investor Instagram in the, the law, like all reality people are on Instagram, right? Well, my drug of choice, uh, I mean, because I'm an investor in a 116 acre hemp farm in Plainfield, Vermont called Moncush, I think my drug of choice oh. would probably be cannabis or CBD. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, that's I, a totally all, separate that's where i hide it all back here but we can talk about that <laughs> cannabis and sports it's the next wave um so for me my drug of choice would be instagram followed by facebook and then you know i'm kind of not the, the greatest twitter guy in the world but yeah you can hit me up at at ethan zahn uh, in addition to that if you're interested in learning a little bit more about grassroots soccer you can hit our website grassrootsoccer.org and uh for those listening in real time we got an incredible gala coming up in new york city the zigfield ballroom we have seth myers sir alex ferguson Kristen press we have have um, Chef Marcus Samuelson is doing the menu, incredible auction items. The DJ duo from South Africa called Goldfish is going to be there. So if anyone's interested, you can find the information on the website as well and get a ticket and uh, hopefully I can see you there. Uh, if there is anything that you heard during today's episode that you have an issue with, do me a favor, reach out to Ethan directly and leave me the hell out. <laughs> Never. Did. And I'll give you my lawyer's name. <laughs> that never gets old. Ethan, it's, a, it's an honor to meet you, man. Congratulations. Congratulations on all your success. I really do appreciate your honesty and your candor. And I think your story is absolutely fascinating. 
Awesome, man. I truly appreciate having me on. Our thanks to Ethan Zahn for coming on the podcast, and thank you for listening and subscribing. We appreciate it. Next week, we'll have an all-new episode. Until then, this is Sports with Friends. If you want me to stay, I'll be around today to be available for you to see. I'm about to go, and then you'll know for me to stay I got to be me. You'll never be in doubt. That's what it's all about. You can't take me for granted and smile. Come on, please, I'm gone. Forget reaching me by phone. Because I promise I'll be gone for a while. When you see me again, I hope that you have been the kind of person that you really are now. Got to get in straight. How could I 